Hi everyone, this is Dave Durer, and as part of Watermark's Encounter series, I'll be sharing a bit today about the first king of Israel, King Saul. He became king at the age of 30, and he reigned for 30, 42 years. He was chosen by God and anointed by the prophet Samuel. Our reading today is found in 1 Samuel 15. Some of what follows is word for word, and some of the story is going to be paraphrased a bit in the interest of time. So here we go. God's prophet, Samuel, met with King Saul and said, Now listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I have decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek for opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. Now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation and their livestock. So Saul mobilized the army and proceeded to engage the Amalekite nation in battle. He completely destroyed them, yet spared Agag, the Amalekite king, along with the best of lives of the livestock. This clear act of Saul's disobedience angers the Lord, and he lets Samuel know. So in the early uh, morning, uh, the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul. Someone told him, Saul went to the town of Carmel to set up a monument to himself. Then he went to Gilgal. When Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully. May the Lord bless you, he said. I have carried out the Lord's command. Then what is all the bleeding of sheep and goats and the lowing of cattle, I hear, Samuel demanded. It's true that the army spared the best of the sheep, goats, and cattle, Saul admitted. But they are going to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. We have destroyed everything else. Then Samuel said to Saul, Stop! Listen to what the Lord told me last night. What did he tell you, Saul asked. And Samuel told him, Although you may think little of yourself, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel, and the Lord sent you on a mission and told you, Go and completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they're all dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush to to the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight. But I did obey the Lord, Saul insisted. I carried the mission he gave me. I carried it out. I brought back King Agag, but I destroyed everyone else. Then my troops brought in the best of the sheep, goats, cattle, and plunder to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. But Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices? or your obedience to his voice. Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. So this was a pretty big deal. Obviously, God did not see this as a minor offense or a mix-up of sorts in communication. But let's see what we can learn from this. First of all, Saul is given an assignment from God through God's servant, the prophet Samuel. The assignment is delivered very clearly and completely. We also know it's pretty big. It's a pretty big deal to be given a, a, a command to wipe out an entire nation, sparing no one, not one person, and certainly no animals. This command is important in this story. In, in this, uh, uh, as it was relayed from Samuel to Saul, and all the details, because it's God's command. It's a command coming directly from God. So, what we what can we learn from this encounter with God through Samuel? in his clear command, as well as what uh, can we learn from Saul's response. 
I believe it must be, uh, first of all, understood that God places a high value on our obedience. But what else is going on here? First of all, after the Israelite army led by Saul defeats the Amalekites, the king uh, ends up, Saul ends up uh, kind of doing a slip, uh, uh, slipping uh, step by step into a path of disobedience and self-glory. And let's look at these steps of disobedience. There's four of them that are pretty clear here. Step one, he spares the life of the Amalekite king and the best of all the livestock. Step one, uh, disobedience. Step two, he heads out to another location in order to build a monument to himself as a victor, not to God, which would certainly remind Israel of God's glory and spread it to all the nations as well but he builds a monument to himself. Step three, upon confrontation, Saul compounds his disobedience by justifying it to Samuel and casting blame on the Israelite army and throwing them under the proverbial bus. He refuses to take responsibility for his actions as king. And in doing so, he denies Samuel's charge of disobeying God and then further puts a spin on his disobedience. Step four, he mentions to Samuel that the animals would be sacrificed to your God. He doesn't say my God or our God, but rather your God. Almost as if he's seeking to separate himself from the God of Israel and answerable to Samuel, only to Samuel, God's prophet and spokesman. I think he felt he would be safer doing that with Samuel than God. So what brought Saul to this very place in in time? When he was chosen and anointed to be king, the first king of Israel, his heart seemed to be in the right place. He was humble, had God-fearing men all around him as his constant companions who were encouraging him, praying with him, praying for him, and helping him along the way. How then was it possible for his heart to change and start falling into a downward spiral of disobedience? I believe Saul was likely experiencing a slow drift away from God over time, which was creating a separation and then a lack of trust in the God of Israel, his God. He also was not listening to God-honoring counsel, uh, obviously, that had previously surrounded him. He was focusing on himself and what he needed, what his needs were. He knew the importance of obeying God, and he knew God was trustworthy, yet he convinced himself that this partial obedience was not really disobedience. It's amazing how our minds can often convince our hearts to move away from God and even stay away from godly friends when we're in a drift. And that's often when we need our friends the most, isn't it? When we are in such a drift. This brings a couple of questions to mind, which will be helpful for me to process, certainly, and perhaps even you can relate to or resonate with some of these as well. When do I find myself like Saul falling into a similar pattern, which would be lacking trust in God and needing to shore up my own insecurities? And when do I find myself drifting away from God instead of being intentional in growing in my relationship with God through Christ? When am I not being uh, intentional? What's going on? And how does my self-centeredness and pride 
fuel my drift away from God? And then finally, when do I find myself most apt to justify my partial obedience? Well, personally, I find the drift, when I start drifting, uh, it begins when I take my eyes off Jesus. And my focus is now on myself. It's my needs, my comfort, me, me, me. The things of the world distract me and, and grab my attention. And my eyes are removed from Christ and onto those it happens when I look uh, for excuse, excuses not to do something that I really feel God is calling me to do. I often find that, like Saul, it's my pride and possibly the fear of letting people down and the fear of failure uh, that drives my justification in not doing something and presenting a myriad of excuses which keep me on the sidelines. What are some ways each of us could respond in these situations to prevent such a drift? Well, first of all, we must recognize that obeying God is really a big deal. His love for us is deep and expansive. He's for us, not against us. He's always with us. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our needs and desires and knows what's best for us. He pursues and desires a relationship with us and wants so much for us to find our identity in him and not what we do. He knows that it's out of our surrender to him and our acceptance of him that we will naturally and overwhelmingly want to respond in obedience to him. It comes out of our love for him, our acceptance we find in him, and our identity in him not in what we do. Today may be a good day to pause, to look inward and examine your heart. Do you feel you're drifting away from God? Or are you being intentional to walk with him daily, growing in knowledge of who he is and striving to serve him in the way he has called you to serve? Are you struggling with surrendering everything to Christ and trusting him alone? Are you ready to take a step closer to him even today, he's waiting for you. I know he is. He knows your name. He wants to hear your voice. Are you ready to say yes to what he's asking of you today? No matter what it is, can you say yes to that? Think about it. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for your love and patience with us. Thank you for being our father, for being for us with us, and in us as followers of Christ. Lord, we invite you to speak to each of us today, individually, right now. We're listening, and we desire to live in obedience with your help. We need your help. It's in the strong name of Jesus we pray. Amen.